evening, everybody. It's Monday night. Monday night, September 11th, 2023. Greetings to you all, all of our friends on the home, the official internet home of, quite frankly, that is quite frankly.tv. Hello to all of you, first and foremost. Love you all. Love you all on Rumble and Twitch and DLive and Theta and Rockfin and Beyond, but not YouTube. Not YouTube. We'll talk about that in just a second. Well, ladies and gents, it's a new week. A new week, a very interesting week. I think we have some good guests. We have some nice things to do. Uh, it's all broken up by my daughter's third birthday, so that's on Thursday. But I'll be... It's going to be good. It'll be a good week. I promise you that. And it's been 22 years. 22 years since uh, 2001. So I know that... Um, you know, it's always on everybody's mind. Always on everybody's mind, though it's a little bit, le- it's morphing a little bit more now. There was a good amount of time where this was something where, uh, you know, remembering September 11th, 2001, the memory of it still brought everybody back to the same place and concluding the same things. And now over the years, it's been politicized to just, you know, as a tool and everybody's tool just for one thing or another. You know now it's uh, now it's it's vague, um, vague, veiled comments about insurrection and and new age terrorism and whatever and and then the other side uses it for something else and it's just it's I don't know it gets it gets it get, I get angrier and sadder every year on this day um, and it's really more so about the people. It's more so about the, the lives. It's always about that. And it's always about the inspiration from little people doing things in, in the, uh, in the face of, uh, unspeakable terror to try to help perfect strangers. That's always where I, um, I rest. I rest most heartily because, um, everything else is, well, you know. And I think we'll do a little bit of that tonight. And we'll do a little bit of that you-know stuff afterwards. Afterwards on QuiteFrankly.tv. There's going to be plenty to watch, to theorize and debate and investigate together after the show on QuiteFrankly.tv. So, I'll tell you one thing. The weather is not very 9-11-ish. Not very September 11th today. It's like having a a hair dryer firing on the back of your neck all day. Humid. Thunderstorms, that was a, uh, 22 years ago, that was a cloudless, crisp fall day. And uh, what a day for our teachers to be going on strike. All of our teachers in the Archdiocese of New York wanted more money when they were all picketing when we got to school that day. Well, better put your pickets away because we're at war. They went, they, they went back on strike a couple of weeks later when everything kind of settled down. But, um, but yeah, anyway, uh, like I said in the opening, uh, the, the, the very beginning there, YouTube is no longer a thing for a week. Uh, you know, it's just, we got back, we barely had enough time to come back and start jumping off at the halfway point because we had a couple of, we had a couple of weirdly timed shows getting off early, whatever. And so, uh, 
it's just incredible. I was going, to, I was going to start jumping off of YouTube again, and uh, we got another first strike because remember my first strike from two weeks ago was just disappeared. I didn't even appeal that one; it just disappeared, and the the um, the episode in question reappeared. So I deleted that, and I just said, okay, I guess I got away with one here. Anyone, uh, anyway, this one disappeared, and the appeal was rejected. I was given another medical misinformation strike for a very PG-rated episode we did with George Nori. Did we talk about medicine? Did we talk about healthcare at all when George Nori was on? I don't think we talked about that. So I don't even know what the hell was even said. I have no clue, but um, I don't know. It's all AI. So I thought the two consecutive shows that I did trashing the ADL was going to get it done. But nope. Nope. George Norrie. Seriously, rated PG, that episode. So I'll be off of YouTube for a week unless um, they find uh, offense with another episode I did weeks and weeks and weeks ago. And then I'll be off for two weeks and then it'll all be over. So um, don't expect there to ever be a full episode on YouTube again because it is now time to get to the lifeboats, everybody. Time to get to the life. You remember the purges before the 2020 election in October of 2020, what they did to so many of our friends? If you think that it's not going to be something like that in multiple phases to kind of tidy up social media wherever it can be tidied going into 2024... So I got to get as many people to the lifeboats as possible. You know, we'll ride it out for as long as it's there, as I always say. But this is ridiculous. The George Norrie show. They skipped over the AD. I had ADL in the headline of the, the title of the show. The ADL's in there. And they went to the George Norrie? Affirmative action? I think I had that in the headline for George Norrie. Anyway, welcome to the limited audience that's here tonight, because I'm sure everybody else thinks I'm on vacation. Let's go on to some announcements, more announcements. Thank you to my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. Whether it be bad weather, whether it be derailments, whether it be, I don't know, I don't know. Whether it be your state's uh, Agenda 2030 environmental policies. Whatever the hell you're up against, whatever is making things a little bit more uncertain, make sure you go to Blue Monster Prep first and foremost because they got a lot of things that can alleviate your stress or at least some of your stress. Then I would go to Wise Wolf. I would get some gold and some silver. And I, uh, and then whoever you go to for um, shotgun shells. I don't have a shotgun shell provider just yet, and I don't know how that works. I'm not even going to get into it. I haven't even taken on an alcohol sponsor because I don't know what that 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 gets into, you know. I, I always said I would love to have a uh, a vineyard, a really tasty wine, good quality wine, maybe small batch, something like that. And I would love to uh, I'd love to have a vineyard on with me one day. And of course, I have to I have to iron out all the coffee um, issues. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss the entire holiday season. There's going to be no coffee to to, uh, to make available to people because I'm just a, uh, I have no, I'm, I've, been, I've been very unorganized with that particular thing and it's killing me because now we're in September. I should have already had it ironed out. Should have had it ironed out in July, but um, doof. All right, let's keep going. 
Let's keep going into the grab bag. First one up is from the Daily Mail. Listen to this. HIV protesters occupy House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's office. Seven arrested as activists get on their knees and chant. 20 years in prison to each of them right now for insurrection. You're in the Speaker of the House's office? Um, 20 years in jail for all of them. I'm sure they'll get all their HIV medications in jail. I'm sure it would be like against some kind of Geneva Convention if they didn't get it. So get it, put them in jail and say goodbye for at least 20 to 22 years. So that happened today. Another, another insurrection that will be completely ignored. Here's one from the Daily Star. Livid couple made to sit next to a farting dog who drooled on their legs on a 13-hour flight. Is that the actual... Is that it? Is that the dog? Looks very nice, but apparently he's smelly and loud. Uh, A pair of raging holiday makers have claimed that they were forced to sit next to a snoring, farting dog for the entirety of a 13-hour flight. Uh, Gill and Warren Press are now demanding a refund from Singapore Air... Oh, well, there you go. Singapore Airlines, after the stinky pooch, made their long-haul journey a nightmare. The married couple, who were traveling from Europe to New Zealand, were on a first leg from Paris to Singapore had to pay extra to fly premium economy, hoping it would make their flight more comfortable. You're telling me that this dog had a seat in premium? Premium seat economy? But unfortunately for them, they were seated next to an emotional support dog. Oh, with a flagrant disregard for flight etiquette. Gil said, I heard this noise, heavy snorting. I thought it was my husband's phone, but we looked down and we realized it was the dog breathing. I said, I'm not having this, uh, this sitting next to us the whole trip. She added they couldn't have the, dog, uh, have the dog out on the aisle because they couldn't get the trolleys through. So it had to come in further, which meant that this, his head was under my husband's feet. My husband was in shorts and was getting the dog saliva goo on his legs. Oh, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than saliva goo. She said once more the flight attendant that uh, said that they should be moved, but the flight crew simply offered her the front of the economy class where the crew were sitting. Uh, as they had paid for premium seating, they did not want this. The couple again asked to be moved, but were informed that they could only be put back into the economy class. They did not want this either, so they refused. But wait a second. If there is a place to move them, why can't they move the dog? The dog is obviously not sitting next to its owner, who needs the emotional support. But she claimed the dog wouldn't stop farting throughout the flight, making their journey a pongy ordeal. Gill and Warren said that they were told by the staff the incident would be noted on record. However, they they heard nothing allegedly until they complained officially a week later. The duo said that they were offered 95 pounds each in travel vouchers three weeks after the flight from hell, but this didn't satisfy the pair. They said that they were dead set on getting a full refund for their flight. Well, I want to know what the hell is going on with the person they're supposed to be mostly supporting. Uh, they, they say nothing about this. They say nothing about the person that the dog is assigned to. So, I guess... I. Move the dog to one of the economy class things. Who cares? 
with the owner. If you have enough space to move two people to another part, then you have enough space to move a dog and a, uh, a person who needs help to another part, too. Or at least keep them together. I'm telling you, they don't want anybody uh, flying, but that's Singapore. So I know things are bad in, in, in the air in the U.S., but, <laughs> but that's Singapore for you. All right, here's another one from the Gateway Pundit. What is going on? Three separate coin shop owners shocked as their bank accounts suddenly shut down with no reason given. Speaking of uh, Wise Wolf Gold and Silver, three separate coin shop owners have found their bank accounts suddenly shut down without any prior notice or explanation from their financial institutions. An Ohio-based coin shop owner recently took to YouTube to share alarming news. His regional bank, with whom he had been a customer for years, has suddenly decided to sever ties by closing all six of his business and personal accounts. The coin shop owner, who operates a coin shop dealing in silver and gold, received certified letters from the bank stating, quote, After a recent review, we have decided to end our relationship with you and close your accounts. As stated in your account agreement, we can close your account at any time for any reason, with or without notice. We will begin our closing process on September 6, 2023. What's shocking is that the bank has declined to provide any reason for the abrupt decision, leaving the owner and his family in the dark. The letters came without prior notice, affecting multiple accounts, including those belonging to his children and wife. A visit from his local branch uh, to his local branch revealed little. Even the manager with whom he had a good relationship couldn't get an answer for the sudden decision. They're closing all my accounts. They don't want to do any business with me. They don't want to tell me why. I went to my local branch, who I have a good relationship with, talk with the manager. She tried to find out. They wouldn't tell her. So here I was left thinking, wow, what's going on? What do they think I have done? The businessman emphasized his compliance with all necessary regulations, including maintaining an anti-money laundering program. Uh, nevertheless, the bank's sudden move has not only uh, disrupted his life, but also has him worried about the future of his fully legal and long-standing business. Wow. What do you think it is? He added, I don't think the banks like this type of business. I don't know what they think. We're, I don't know what they think we're doing here because everything is 100% legitimate. For some reason, they don't like it. And, all, uh, and we all probably know why. It's just a shame that they have such power and that much ability. And they could just close your stuff down just like that. Very unnerving. It's very unnerving. But it isn't an isolated incident. The owner is aware that at least three other businesses, two coin shops and a pawn shop in Ohio that face the same issue in recent years. I wonder, because obviously no matter how much we, CoinHusker's bank account suddenly shut down. So it's happened to more than a few people, but there is no explanation as to why. We are sorry that we are unable to continue this banking relationship. Why? You don't have to be sorry. There's nothing wrong going on here. But um, that's... That caught a few people's attention today, and of course it was published in the Gateway Pundit, so it's getting around a little bit now. All right, here's some really important news over here in New York. Our Beaver Lady Governor is getting real work done. I don't know what you think you did today, but uh, Kathy Hochul Beaver, Beaver Bitch, she's getting the real job done. Legislation declares, of course with the help of the New York Legislature, 
Asian Lunar New Year is a public school holiday now across New York State. That's great. That isn't that great. Asian Lunar New Year is now a is a public school holiday. So uh, in whatever public schools you got in Western New York or all the other places where there's not a Chinese person to see for miles, you now have the day off because it's apparently necessary. It's apparently necessary. Governor Kathy Hochul signed legislation on China, on China on Saturday declaring Asian Lunar New Year a public school holiday across New York State. Proud to sign sh- legislation declaring Lunar New Year an official school holiday in New York. This is an important step in recognizing the importance of New York's AAPI community. What does that mean? Asian something PI community and the rich diversity that makes our state so great. Nope. Nope. They say it over and over again. I don't know. But it it means something to them. But it's, it's, it's whatever. I don't know. I can't wait until she declares um, a pap smear day, a public school holiday as well. It's, I, I'm so happy to declare pap smear day. It's September 12th, 2023. Starts then. Hi, this is Kathy Holkel. Please remember to spay and neuter your pets. Please. Freak. Stupid mouth. You stupid dumb teeth. You freak. Hate you. Hate you say a little bit more when I'm off of YouTube, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make any of you feel upset or, <laughs> all right, here's another one for you. One last one before we kick this thing off for real, because this is not real. Two 9-11 family members who lost their fathers in attacks slam Biden's betrayal. Biden's betrayal for marking anniversary in Alaska. And tell America never forget. Matt Bochy and Brett Eagleson both lost their fathers in New York on 9-11. They have condemned Biden's move to mark the anniversary in Alaska. While the House and, uh, the White House sent Kamala Harris to his place for the Ground Zero ceremony. Honestly, I understand it's, uh, you know, people who are, who lost who lost fathers, who lost mothers, sisters, brothers, cousins, best friends, everything. Uh, this is a little bit more, it hits home for them. A little bit more, but I, I, who cares about Joe Biden being in New York? Who cares? I mean, I would be upset if, if Kamala Harris, that, that cackling worm, is in New York and she has to say something with her, with her, with her scraggly voice. You know? Wobbly voice, another one of the, uh, one, another one of our strong wobbly voice women. But you know, uh, we, d- Joe Biden in Alaska. I don't understand what that's all about. I want to be in Alaska on 9/11 to come at what? I don't, I don't get it. The only thing I know Alaska has to do with 9/11 is that Alaska Fairbanks was uh, was pivotal in finally debunking that uh, that uh, Building Seven fell because of fire. So, um, I don't know what, what the hell's going on there, but some people are really upset. Would you be upset? I'd actually want him far, far away. Let's see. Eight years old. When Matt Bochy was eight years old, he, pro- he pressed his nose against the glass window of the 105th floor offices of the Cantor Fitzgerald. 
and stared across the Manhattan skyline. He was 1,200 feet up in the World Trade Center as his father, John, his work of Christmas party with his younger brother, Nick, and felt the building start to sway in the wind. Nine months later, his father was standing in the same office in the North Tower when one of the planes hit and he didn't make it out. Those are the stories, man. These are the stories that really kill me. Those, this is really what it all comes down. I, I've had my fill of all the, of all the who, what, where, why, when, as far as the day, the day goes, and the anomalies, and the the unanswered questions, and and the cover-ups, obvious cover-ups. So many obvious things, but it's these, it's these things. It's the kids who, who you know, the the parents who didn't come home. The kids that didn't come home too. It's just horrible. And it never gets any better. Especially if you were of... Uh, if you were old enough to really live it. And it, it, it's just... It changed things all over the place. Especially here. But we'll be right back. We'll take calls. We'll uh, we'll vent a little bit. We'll do our thing. And, uh, and I hope that you're here with me. Uh, there's going to be a lot of ex- confused people out there. So if you would do me a great favor. Please share like this whatever you are watching on if it has a like button give it a like it has some hearts fine give it a retweet a share whatever the hell it is live or on demand please help this get out i appreciate it i really would and thank you guys and gals for joining me for another weekend or weekday kickoff let's do it One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, 
hitting the Pentagon in the Budget Analyst Office, where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbor them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because Nobody in our government at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes into buildings. Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about His head could be seen to move violently forward. And They took the babies out of the incubators. And Mobile production facilities. And The rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing baby hater and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because ignorance is strength. Well...
There you go. I think it's that uh, that's a nice little nutshell to put it all in. I I love the 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 multiple. It's very important. The multiple references to Abel Danger. Um, repeat guest of the show, Tony Schaefer. That's uh that's his bag right there. Uh, his work on Able Able Danger. They had at least a half a dozen hijackers ID'd and were essentially ignored. And that's it. Uh, Disclo Disclosed TV put this out today, too. A little reminder that 22 years ago, the World Trade Center when Twin Towers collapsed after two planes hit the building. Buildings in NYC, a third building, World Trade Center 7, with 81 vertical steel columns that was not hit by a plane, collapsed due to, quote, a new phenomenon called, quote, thermal expansion. That's the NIST. They claim that's what it was. The new phenomenon, they, it just was rolled out that day. It was phenomenal. Anywho, um, here's a good one for you. Regardless, regardless of where it all goes, where you stand. Uh, here's a headline from the New York Post from a couple days ago. People who trust their gut are suckers for bullshit conspiracy theories, say scientists. Don't trust your gut. If you trust your gut when deciding if a statement is true or false, maybe that's just because lizard aliens are running the country. Research into what makes a person accept new information as true or false has revealed that facts and reality are rather slippery concepts. In pair of new studies, behavioral scientists investigated the relationship between truth relativism, the concept that truth and reality are different to different people. You know, I, um, this is worth discussing. This is worth discussing, and I have some stuff to say about this in the second half of the show, because, well, it's relevant, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, and the risk of falling victim to false information. I think many people who emphasize a more relativistic view of what truth is, they mean well, Julia Aspernus, PhD student in the Department of Behavioral Sciences and Learning at Linkomping. University in Sweden said in a statement, you see, truth relativism, the concept of truth and reality are different to different people and the risk of falling victim to false information. Now, false information, I would say over time, what we see is a lot of people just start to generally accept, generally accepted uh, I don't know thoughts. That that just I, for example, I started thinking about all the people who were out there in New York City that were seeing that were the eyes were on the sky they were on the buildings the whole time the things that they were seeing, they were watching it they're there at the scene. Now a very unique point of view, but when you think about how many people could be watching one thing and still be seeing different things and may have missed something. They turn to the person next to them and say, what's going on? And they tell them something. Oh, no, no, that, that second one wasn't a plane. It was, they just exploded. They didn't see the second plane or the first plane for that matter. And, it, and, and you, you, you see how there is just so many people there. And then over time, over time, it all changes based on what is being seated in the public. And you know, the, the real question is, what is truthful information? That's always the real question. Who is the, who is the ultimate authority, the arbiter of truth? Who is omnipotent 
enough to be that person, to be fa- infallible enough to be that person. And also have enough humility to admit when they're wrong. Do we have anything like that out there? Because then what this is really is trusting your gut, having a gut feeling about something, and I, I, I don't know, sometimes you could be wrong? Is that really what we're talking about here? Because it's really just a matter of, well, you know, trusting your gut when accepting new information. That, that can be, it's really all about, are you accepting new information that is outside the bounds of the official narrative or whatever issue you're talking about that day? It, that's what it's really, it's really all coming around to. Because nobody, I mean, the, the gut is a very important thing. To ignore it completely or even a, a little bit, that needs to have some sort of a factor. It has to play a factor in, in what you're doing. But they continue, I think many people who emphasize a more relativistic view of the world, uh, they mean well. Uh, they believe that it's important that everyone should be able to make their voice heard. But these, uh, these results show that such a view can actually be quite dangerous. The study found that there are two types of truth relativism. One is called cultural relativism, in which the beliefs held by a culture or group of people must be true because everyone in the group believes them. The other is called subjective relativism, in which individuals are convinced that whatever they personally feel to be true must therefore be the truth. The research team surveyed about 1,400 people in Sweden and the the UK about their views on what the truth is. Then they were asked to take a position on various conspiracy theories and to assess the content of a number of nonsense sentences. The researchers also collected information on factors like the ability to uh, reason analytically, political orientation, age, gender, and education level. Their studies published in the Journal of Research and Personality under the compelling title, Misperceptions in the Post-Truth World, Effects of uh, uh, Subjectivism and Cultural Relativism on Bulls, or, or on Bullshit, I'm sorry. So, Bullshit Receptivity. That's a really interesting title. Yeah, yeah. I was like, Bull T? What's Bull's T mean? Why the hell would they put that in the in a title of a, you know, it's, it's officially a peer-reviewed study? You got bullshit in there? Effects of subjectivism and cultural relativism on bullshit receptivity and conspiracist ideation. They reveal some very interesting conclusions. Uh, People who believe the truth is subjective and individual are more likely to believe conspiracy theories and to hold on to their conspiratorial beliefs even when faced with real-world evidence and the facts that contradict their conspiracy theories. Well, you see, I don't think... uh, See, that's the whole thing. There is so much. If we're talking about a day like today and all of the... all of the uh, the Monday morning quarterbacking that goes on, and all of the going back and watching the tape, and going, and, you know, everything that that James Corbett puts out there in that 9/11 in under five minutes. Go ahead. I mean, that is real world evidence right there. It's really just a matter of how does that go up against cultural belief? So I understand the whole cultural thing there. They want to create a culture in which the government is always believed. And around 2001 is when we really started seeing the last, the last couple of years that government was going to believed, be believed about anything. 
because anything like this happening now today would be totally picked apart. It would be very, very hard. As you can see, nothing is agreed upon. And after after 2001, I mean, after the September of 2001, they played upon they played upon our ability to be, you know, cohesive as a culture because we still had that left. And that, of course, made people blind to the fact that there was all this obje- objectively crazy stuff that was going on, that was in your face, that did not add up, and that, d- that deserved really, really, really serious scrutiny. People with a subjective worldview also have a greater tendency to find profound, meaningful messages in nonsense blather, such as the hidden meaning transforms the abstract beauty. Uh, and for people with cultural belief system, cultural relativism was found to be linked to uh, bullshit receptivity and the ability to gladly accept, quote, nonsense from someone attempting to persuade or impress without concern for what is true or false. Now, that's not to say that any of these concepts really are not relevant here, but it's really also, again, about what angle you're hitting this from. What angle are you hitting this from? What's the conclusion? And who are the people who should always be trusted? But regardless of where you stand on all that, I, I know that it can be, you know, this could be all very provocative and disturbing. But I do want to go to something that Sean Davis from The Federalist said today. And I think that um, he made a statement about 9-11, and I believe that all of us can at least agree on this. Take a listen to this. I thought it was nice. Sean Davis said, in hindsight, 9-11 looks like it might be, have been, the beginning of the end of the American empire. It spawned the worst, most destructive foreign policy in the country's history. The government response to 9-11 birthed the constitutional abomination that is the modern warrantless surveillance state. The Patriot Act enabled the government to weaponize its vast resources against its own people. Bush's failed foreign policy led to directly to the Obama presidency and indirectly to Biden's both of which are responsible for diminishing the U.S. at home and abroad, militarily and economically. After two failed forever wars that wouldn't have happened without 9-11, our government is now desperately trying to foment potentially nuclear forever war against Russia. Meanwhile, all the massive surveillance powers claimed by the U.S. after after 9-11 are being ruthlessly deployed against American political enemies of the regime via the most insidious censorship uh, industrial complex the world has ever seen. And there's the crippling legacy of debt enabled by America's response to 9-11. Not content to spend trillions on poorly thought-out invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan, our leaders spent as thoughtlessly at home, creating insane amounts of new entitlements while doing nothing to put the country on a sound financial footing. And where are we today? The ruling political party is criminalizing its opposition and attempting to throw its top political opponent and his supporters in prison, all under the guise of democracy. We generally remember 9-11 as the day that the towers came down. I wonder if historians will look back on it as the day that America started to fall. The fall was probably, and was, way before September 11th, but that was the, that was the, the dagger that was really it was the, it was a kill shot it was as it was really a kill shot you may limp around a little bit but you're bleeding out at that point and sometimes the bleed takes a little bit longer than others but um there's that uh there's that 911 red pill for you that's the red pill the red pill factor the government 
or any other criminal organization. They will exploit tragedy to limit the rights of people and concentrate power over them. That's really what it comes down to, regardless of what the tragedy is, what the details of those tragedies are. The system uses it all to act on its apparent contempt for us. Even the people they, they supposedly love, the people who are rooting on the regime right now to go out there and get all the insurrectionists, surround them all up, they're hated because they're pathetic. I've said that before. Uh, when you talk about these kinds of criminals, they actually respect their enemies a little bit more than the people who support them because they know that they're criminals. They know that they're running a giant con. So what does that make a person who lines up and votes for Joe Biden and waves the flag and believes it's actually patriotic? Like you live on that surface level. You're pathetic. They hate you for how pathetic you are, but they'll use you. I mean, you're a, that's a pathetic person. Anybody who, who exists up there right now, that, that the system hates them. The people who actually support the system, the system hates them the most. But they'll use them. They'll use them. Especially if they get killed somewhere. Then they can, they, then they can, they can lay a wreath. They can lay a wreath and, uh, and, and talk about how, how terrible it was that, the, that these people that they otherwise see as vermin died. All to be able to attack the people that they're really trying to destroy. The system uses it all to act on its contempt. And, you know, COVID, because it's all connected, was slow motion 9-11, as I said back then. They did things with COVID that just wasn't possible in 2001. It wasn't. As bad and traumatic as 2001 was, it was only a mental warm-up to achieve the level of compliance that would be demanded of us 19 years later. That was a warm-up. If you just think about the timeline we're on and how these are separate chapters of the same book and they're all linear. Sometimes we get outside of linear space and we start talking about things that that branch off and kind of go tangential a little bit. But it's all the same story. It really is. And furthermore, 2001, as I said before, was allowed to happen with the intention of capitalizing on our ability to come together. We still had that ability back then, and they capitalized on that. January 6th, 2021, that was set up to capitalize on our inability to ever come together again. You know? And because of that inability to ever come together again, they were able to use that to officially even though it had been done for many, many years before, officially recalibrate 9-11-era terror-fighting systems to neutralize domestic political rebellions, not hijacked planes, thought crime. And that's where we're at right now. When you see, you see the kind of thing that, you, you, uh, that they're throwing at people like, um, like uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, Owen Schroyer on InfoWars. That they're trying to give him 120 days in jail just for pretty for for essentially just free speech just for things that you're saying the fact that they got this guy uh, uh, Tario 22 years and he wasn't even there to, to, to think that you can have something go down and be so many miles away and they they are willing to charge you with furtherance of a conspiracy just because you're speaking your mind out loud and they just don't like what you're saying this is all the same. It comes from the same exact place. 
Uh, same exact plays. I think Darren Beatty had um, Darren Beatty. Beatty. I think he had really um, articulated that very well earlier on too. When you think about what nine, uh, what uh, nine eleven did, what it created, and how January six was being used to rewrite the the owner's manual of all of the systems that were put in place after nine eleven, that we had a, at least for a time aimed out at the rest of the world under the guise of defending the homeland. Though you can see how how well we actually defend the homeland, we leave our back door wide open, look the other way, doesn't matter. So anyway, I want to take your general thoughts on this kind of stuff. General thoughts, I have questions that have been sent to me. Here's some questions that were sent to me before. Here's a really interesting one. Um, Frank, is there a political solution to reforming what America has become? Can we vote good people into office who who could dismantle the mafia network, surveillance state, and, and military-industrial complex? The Constitution didn't prevent us from ending up here. Why is that? And I think a follow-up question to that is, is there anything that could have? When you think about the Constitution, what is it? It's not that the piece of paper itself, the physical piece of paper itself, was going to be strong enough to hold off. It is all about, again, culture. So it's not necessarily the Constitution, because you can also say, well, you know, the uh, dogma and and how, you know, the the, the tradition of of Christianity for so long, and then suddenly it's getting changed. What the hell's going on in all these Lutheran churches around the country with the the deacon lesbians and uh, trans this and that's Jesus is trans and all. I mean, I mean, what happened there? You have a constitution, it's a yellowing piece of paper. Well, Christianity is way older. What happened there? What's going on? It, it is something, it's a new type of war. It's a new type of war. And, the, and you know, I, 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 guess, I guess we just weren't prepared for it when you, when you, when you I don't know, uh, divest interest in keeping your guard up. Philosophically, keeping your guard up. That's really what it comes down to. When did America... Here's more questions for you. When did America stop being the good guy? Were we ever? Growing up in the 90s was bliss, but the planning for this coming out party was still there under the surface. Yeah. The planning of this was still there. In the 90s, it, it, it really was. 90s was one hell of a time. Mid to late 80s, 90s, and all the while, 2001... 2001 who knows when they finally settled on a date but but man oh man that's another one. Oh, and here's another one for you in world war three which is happening right now who do we fight for and that i thought was really profound because you can't be on the sidelines you have to be the man in the arena but what are you doing is it just like we said before concentrating, keeping yourself thinking small, fighting for your family, fighting for every day, fighting for happiness, fighting for peace of mind, fighting for foresight, fighting for a spiritual fortitude, and passing information along and just doing something that can be left behind, uh, knowing that one person can't stop the tides, but uh, you can build an ark, you can ride the waves, so maybe that's, maybe there's something to, to that. 
Anywho, we'll be right back when we take a uh, we'll take a call, uh, some calls and some thoughts, and I have some things and have already been suggested for conversation over here. That should be good. I hope you wrote down some of those questions because I'm going to forget them. We'll be right back. You're going to see something off the field that's a classic here. Follow the ball as it goes up the tunnel from the right side of your screen. Watch this fella jump out of the stands into the tunnel. He appears to be at least 10 feet off the ground, if not more. This is a don't try this. No, don't try this. Watch this. There he goes off into space. He catches the ball, goes all the way down the tunnel. I would have thought he would have broken both his ankles. There he is. Is he stoked? (laughs) This guy. Now we got the guy. What's your name? Michael Bantazis. I'm from the north side of Chicago. I played football at Sullivan High School. Well, Mike, you could have gotten yourself hurt jumping down like that. I play defense, offense. I got great hands. I played football my whole life. I love it, baby. You got a little Monday Night Football history, too. Oh, yes. Let's go back to the game, man. Lulu had a baby, she named him Tiny Tim. She put him in the piss butt to teach him how to swim. He swam to the bottom, he swam to the top. Lulu got excited and pulled him by his cocktail ginger ale, five cents a glass. If you don't like it, just shove it up your ass. Ask me no more questions, I'll tell you no more lies. A man got hit with a bag of shit, and that's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> I love QFTV. You're cool. What's up? I love QFTV. Yeah. Yep. You're cool. Uh, what's QFTV? Did you say what's QFTV? Miss, you're going to need to go over there and watch QFTV Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, right after Quite Frankly. Yeah. Oh, you're definitely cool. Only on QuiteFrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole. Okay. You remember all those? Uh, I, I was looking at the, the the songs, the songs that were banned from the radio after 9/11. I was looking at all the songs again. I said, you know, I have to get into those. Uh, let me take a call first. Hey, what's going on, King? How you feeling today? Hey, what's going on? You can also call me Sergeant Carter if you want. You got it, Sergeant Carter. What's that? You got it, Sergeant Carter. It's <laughs> an inside joke between me and Frankie. <laughs> but, uh, hey, uh, listen, um, so alluding back to my last call when I said that that MMA fighter on the show called us cowards and, you know, I'm well known at work for my political views. It's not just my my work. It's all around this town. And um, I used to be a regular on the local radio show, which used to be hosted by a friend of mine, but he quit because he was sick of them over there. So uh, they have a rotating cast of characters. Every once in a while I tune in, and this morning they had a broad on who uh, claims to be a Republican, right? So they were doing a 9-11 tribute, so, uh, or remembrance, however you want to call it. Uh, so I figured I'd tune in, right? So uh, she's hosting the show, and uh, this kid I had never heard before, and he's clearly a very young kid, probably a a commie, uh, indoctrinated college kid uh, doing the boards, right? Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, they're talking about 9-11 and how everybody was so united and they were sad that at this point in the country, how divided the country was between political parties and stuff like that. And the broad host was like, uh, yeah, you know what I think? She says, I think we should do away with all political parties and everybody should just vote for one guy. That's what she said, right? How does that that even work? Well, hey, it gets better, right? (laughs) You know, so the kid chimes in, right? And he, you know, he he starts acting like he's knowledgeable about the Constitution and stuff. Check this out. He says, yeah, you know, and we're supposed to, you know, protect our uh, country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Oh. And I think the biggest problem we have in this country right now is domestic terrorists. So you know I had to call in. So first off, I says to the broad, I says, uh, you know, that political party thing you were talking there, and I quoted one of your favorites, Frankie, Norm MacDonald. I said, that sounds like a lot of commie gobbledygook right there. That's what that sounds like. (laughs) Good, good. I said, that's good, right? I knew you'd enjoy that, right? And I said, you can't get rid of parties. I said... Because even though the people that are representing the parties right now are not representing them good, you're not going to have everybody think one way, which is a need for parties because people are going to have differences of opinion, and those opinions should be represented. And it just naturally happens. I mean, you, you, obviously, the only, the only unaffiliated president we ever had was George Washington, and as he left, he really, one of the things he warned against so, um, so seriously, the most serious thing that he was talking about was just staying away from political factions, that factions would take down the country. But, it, I mean, he was the first and only because people tend to just coordinate. This is just the way that we group up. It's just the way that teams just always form. It's not a matter of whether we... It's a natural thing. It's just natural. Hey, and you know what? Speaking of George Washington, and you probably know this already, but you know when he was leaving office, everybody, they wanted to appoint him king of America, and he refused. Mm Mm-hmm. He wanted to be, they wanted to appoint him king, and he said, no, that's what we got away from. We're not doing that all over again. No, you will not make me king. So. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. So, I addri- so go ahead with again. this. Go ahead. I want to hear what you said to the rest of these two. All right. So now, you know, the pansy there, I says, oh, yeah. And to that guy there um, that said our biggest threat here is uh, domestic terrorism, is our biggest problem is he not aware of the illegal foreign invasion going on in this country right now silence i silence frankie i waited for about five seconds and i was like comment pal comment and what'd he say now you know what he said say say again what so what'd he say he goes well you know we got all these white supremacist groups. And I'm like, oh, boy, here uh, we go. Gosh. I says, really? 
that's a bigger threat to our country. Seriously. And he goes, well, the Proud Boys and the white supremacists. And I'm like, give me an example of anything that these so-called white supremacist groups have done to do damage to this country. And he goes, oh, well, there's so many. You see, this is what they do because they can't, they don't have anything. There's so many to name. I'm like, well, name one. And he goes, well, uh, uh, Charlottesville. <laughs> I said, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I said, really, pal? Seriously? I says, now you're going to compare one woman getting run over by a car, which I do not condone and I am not happy about, to cities being burned down all over the country. You're going to tell me that did more damage than cities being burned down all over the country. And first of all... That's what his response... And, Say again, go and, ahead. And first of all, with Charlottesville, this was a... It, it was a, the, the, the the girl that got killed by the car. We're talking about a... I forget the kid's name with the Dodge Charger or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, there was a... He he went into the crowd uh, there, and she died. It, it was yeah, I don't think it was because of it race. It wasn't even intentional. I don't think. But I don't, whatever. It definitely wasn't racially know, motivated. Wasn't the only reason why that they were all they were all there is because there was demonstrations and counter demonstrations about again ripping down American history uh, well, under under the guise of fighting the Civil War Part Two, which is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, well, so yeah. The, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Well, and here's the whole thing. Those people had a belief. All they did was show up to protest. That was it. The other side there, the Antifa, the BLMs, I'll say it, I ain't bashful, showed up to cause trouble and start a fight. These people just went to protest. But that's neither here nor there. So I said, so you're comparing that to the damage that was caused of burning cities down all over this country. Here's his response. Well, I guess we'll have to agree to disagree. <laughs> That's it. There's your there, there's your fucking there's your fucking idiots. There's your idiots. Then some guy texted in. He got mad at me, and he says, "Do you know that seven thousand people was arrested?" Uh, during all those uh, riots and cities burned down. All right. And my response, which they read on the air to him, his text response was, pal, whether they got arrested or not is beside the point. The point is they caused way more damage to this country than the supposed people that are a threat. Well, you know, I, I it's it, thanks for the call, uh, uh, King. This goes right hand in hand with what I'm talking about over here. First of all, to to, to seven to say that oh well, seven thousand people spent a night in jail. That what 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 was that? What what was that? Making it all right? We're talking about billions of dollars worth of damage, whether it be looting or and burning. lives. Uh, over, th I think it's like thirty people died. They were just killed. We're talking yep. about children, too, that were just shot needlessly online at Wendy's, here and there. Like We're talking about crossfire death, stealing televisions, all for what? And, and the other thing there, too, is on top of that, 
um, not only okay, seven thousand people spent the night in jail, and then were they were bailed out by people like Kamala Harris and Ice Cube. But outside of I that, will, I will get. I I, I got to interrupt you real quick, and I'll let you finish. Go I got to give the broad credit. She did push back against the guy and said Kamala Harris sent it up, set up a fund for them. Well, go ahead. I'm in sorry. in, in some places know. too, but I but it was just published the other day that sixty-eight million dollars has been has now been uh, uh, awarded to protesters who were who were I don't know arrested or caught up in any of the craziness of that summer in particular 2020 in particular we're talking about a payout of 68 million dollars in retribution are for, you fucking kidding me go check it out go check it out we're talking about spreading no, the crime. I believe you I'm saying are you fucking kidding me oh, like, no. I can't believe it I, I believe you I wish I wasn't it's just outrageous you should see the payouts in New York alone and, and this is during a time that they pretty much told the police to stop doing their jobs. So I mean, oh so, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. It's the it it all it all comes around to the same. Thanks for the call, King. This was a good one. Did oh you, yeah, and if I could just end by saying, uh, as far as New York goes in New York City, uh, Curtis Sliwa for mayor, get rid of that milk dud with teeth. Hey, let me ask you this: Did you yeah. record the call with the into the the, the show? You know, I, I I didn't. I didn't have a chance. I, I was I was on my way home from work. I wish I would have, but um, no, nah, I didn't, man. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the call, man. Because you know, man. if I did, I'd send it right over to you, and I'd have no problem with you playing it on your show. Well, that would be that would be fun. Next time, next time. All right. Have a good night. Oh yeah, I'm gonna keep fucking with them. Good. They deserve it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. See you there. Yeah, I don't know how people listen to local. Hey, you know what? If uh, if King listens to local radio out there, he's pro- obviously he's not the only one because he got somebody mad. But that's what I'm talking about. This is exactly what I'm talking about. 2001 allowed to happen with the intention of capitalizing our ability to come together and to endorse whatever actions we're going to make that tragedy right, which means going out into the world, finding the people who did it, bringing them to justice, making the homeland more secure. The Patriot Act is, okay, you know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of an exchange, a little bit of uh, freedom given up for some security, all that. And, of course, we know where it comes down to. And now here we have it. Now we have the, uh, the, the loser working the boards over there in, uh, in Massachusetts at that radio station who, who has been convinced by every teacher that they, he probably had since kindergarten and all throughout the Obama administration that white supremacy is the um, and homegrown white supremacist terrorist domestic terrorism is the the new Al Qaeda, and that this is what we need to concentrate on. That 9/11 is now a reminder, as Hillary Clinton tried uh, pawning off on everybody in 2021, especially uh, 9/11 is the reminder. This is the first time we heard it. Even George Bush jumped on it. That um, that the threat of terrorism is always evolving. It's always evolving, and now it has evolved into its final form. That is the white man. It's so ridiculous, but they're doing it. And you have a lot of uh, red diaper doper babies out there who think that it's all hey, it's all it's all necessary. And once you pin them against the wall and you ask them for some specifics, then it's just, well, agree to disagree, but I still think you should go to jail. Agree to disagree when you're talking about such a severe change in the way that we live? 
in the way that people are dealt with and how they're allowed to whether or not, whether or not they're, they're allowed to stay free or not to be locked away in jail for something they said hundreds of miles away from one event or another they're fur- in furtherance of a conspiracy you think that these are precedents that are good it all came from 9/11 it all came from there uh, here's a here's a here's something I'm going to read to you as we get nah, I'll, I'll save this for the other side it just came in just came in from a from a viewer and I'll say this for the other side of the intermission we'll be right back don't go anywhere it's intermission time folks time out to press the like button thank you welcome to intermission we'll, we'll be right back Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. Quite frankly. You going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? I, uh... I had one person say over here that they that they weren't able to super chat, but I have Stostube that just sent the super chat in. Maybe it's because I've been kicked off of YouTube. I I don't know, because I log in with my YouTube account, but it's not like I lost my YouTube account. I just can't go live. Anyway, I have a super chat from Stostube yesterday on a Sunday, which said Sunday super chat just because, and then today, thank you Stostube so much for kicking this week off. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, quite frankly, superchat.com. You put in the whatever the minimum is, $2, $1, $5, $3.33. I think it's $3.33. At the end of the week, we're giving away a raffle, The Devil in the White City, my copy right here. And then uh, I guess next week, I'm going to have to put the 
the book club live. Be, well, I'll, I'll put it live on SoundCloud, and then I'll put it live, the videos live on uh, YouTube later on. I better start putting those playlists on Rumble, but Rumble doesn't have a good playlist option. Rumble's still got a lot. I, I, I can't believe it. With all the people that have come over to Rumble, the millions of people that have come over there, and however much, however many millions of dollars that they're making every month, I can't believe that they are so so far behind. I would I would have tech crews combing through every feature that people love on some place like YouTube and duplicating it to the best of your ability, like like practical things. Um, there's so many that I can't think of any. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, I guess playlists is one of them. Playlist is definitely one of them. I think they just added moderators like a couple of months ago. If you believe that. Oh, there's Jay Britz. Says Super Chat works. Oh, great. Thank you so much, Jay. It's great to have you on, and it's great to have you in the running for this book now, too. So much to do here on Saturday. I can't wait to get in here on Saturday, because Saturday uh, at home was a, was a lot of work. I, I set up right now at my home office. I'm going to be doing some impromptu streams on Foxhole and and things like that um, for tests of sound and video and all that stuff. It is sounding good. I just installed the microphone, the new mixer, a few other things before I left. It's looking good. Now it's just all aesthetics. I have some things in mind. I have some things I'm about to order, some LED neon get a little hint of neon in there but it's got to be customized and I need to make sure that these people can do what I see in my mind anyhow that is going to be one hell of a broadcast location and I'm thinking all the things I want to upgrade in here now I want to bring in some new cameras some maybe some Elgatos and on uh, Saturday it's going to be a little bit of an upgrade to this baby down here video video card going the next step up next step up so next week who knows where we are but it's always about getting better that's what I care about all right over to the over to the rumble which of course is buggy as hell and I can't scroll up here we go starting with Dan Schumann with a very generous super chat to start the day off it always is so amazing when Dan Schumann does that Always amazing. He kicks it all off, and then suddenly it sets a tone, and everybody wants to give. I really appreciate Dan. Thanks. He says, Frank, I get what you're trying to say, but the truth is that the Constitutional Republic was captured in 1913. We've been going down the drain at ever-increasing speed ever since. Well, 1913 was a huge coup. Yes, once the financial uh, system is, is taken then, I mean, it's only a matter of time, no matter what, but there was a lot, a lot more work that had to be done on top of that. But you're right on, Dan. Freight Awakening says, did you catch the story? Orangutan throws possum from the top of a huge zoo enclosure as horrified visitors look on. Thought of you when I saw it. Another species seems to share your animosity for possums. I did not hear about this. That sounds like our, I, I oh man. Did it die upon hitting the ground? K-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1-1
Cat Sky D says one of two says wait what about Jessica Lynch I still trusted the government and MSM at that time uh, I thought that these were smarter more honorable and uh, and uh, integral just trying to hold on just the, the light green is screwing me right now just playing better than I and the world was damned lucky to have them yeah well, I, that's what it felt like that's what it felt like and I can imagine that even though even though there was probably you know the, the reality behind the scenes is always different from what everybody's experiencing I can I only imagine it during the 50s 60s 70s that even as things are changing in the culture we're getting a little bit twisted up there still there's a lot of great times the 80s there's a lot of great times and there's a lot of trust and there are so there, there's there's people that have you know, if you live through the 60s, and then, you know, there's quite a few people there who didn't, um, who smelled a rat with the Kennedy assassinations and all the other political assassinations and things going on. Uh, there's a lot of you, you know, real OG conspiracy theorists out there. And it's just hard. It's just hard to, to get account of all those, of all those people. Because just like we were talking about with uh, G. Edward Griffin about the old days, about going to VFW uh, halls and talking to vets and uh, going to flea markets and passing out pamphlets to gun shows and passing out pamphlets and, you know, small little reception halls, banquet halls, and just finding people wherever they are, people who had an interest in wondering, in wondering out loud what the, what the reality behind the scenes really is here. But um, I, I remember a time where that was still, all right, well, it's on the news and these people aren't going to lie to us. And I guess all that good faith really wore out, wore out on a, on a steady downward trajectory after 2001. No doubt about it. All right. Uh, Sly Foxy says, do you think we actually are finally waking up and we'll have a chance to change the attitude of good Americans? Um, I think, I think that people are going to continue to, to wake up. They're going to continue to take account of the people in their life where they can talk to a little bit more and they'll socialize a little bit different. And, um, and that, that social evolution, it'll be a slow one, but it'll, it'll be good for individuals. It'll be good for individual family units and their, their inner circle of friends. And again, it's going to come down to different decision-making as far as what you do to shore up your household. Uh, perhaps relocation is finally considered to different places. And I think that that is, um, that is only going to bolster good communities by having more people searching those communities out and joining them. And, but it, it changes everything. And as you know, Michael Jackson said, you got to start with that man in the mirror. That's it. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. That's that's really the that's everything. As far as the uh, our is the whole country finally waking up and are we going to have that linked, you know, are we finally going to link arms with one another and and march toward the capital? I think we already tried that. <laughs> I think some people already tried that. I uh I would just stay, stay very, very focused on the small, easily fixable things, and those small little droplets, they get bigger in ways that you can't expect. I don't think anybody can ever expect, and uh, that's what we really need to do. Build arcs and ride out the waves, 
because uh, there's a lot of doubters out there who think that everything's fine, the government is totally trustworthy, and that we just got to take care of our white supremacy problem and we will be able to get into that new dawn. Those people are the idiots that get on the top of the building when the aliens show up in Independence Day with their stupid fucking signs and they're like, welcome, and then they get blasted with the blue light. Let them go to the tops of the buildings, okay? That, that's really what this is all about. Where are you hiding out while the alien ships position themselves to give us a major effing? All right? Let the idiots go up there with their placards. Anywho. Uh, thank you, Cat Sky D, for another messageless. But I don't, oh, here you go. Tony Black's song reminded us from Cat. Tony Black's song reminded me of my grandpa's rhyme after random mealtime prayers. Amen, Brother Ben. Shot a rooster, killed a hen. Hen died, rooster cried, farmer committed suicide. Wow. That gets me in the mood to eat. Larkstar says, Beloved Frank, I am grateful to be with you and the family tonight and listening to you. You do, do what you do so well. Lark, thank you for being around with me on nights like this for years now. And um, you're one of those those names that stand out. And of course, I've sent you so much correspondence through the mail that there's that too. Poso for Hope says, I think King was talking to my brother. What do you mean? You mean your brother is the the sound guy? Or the, the guy who works the boards over there? I don't know. It has to be a... It has to be some sort of a um, radio station near Lowell. 925 Wild G says, Possums peeing while calling. Is this Frank? Peeing? Possum P? Jay Semo, great show. God bless King, says Jay Semo. Uh, 925 Wild G says 911 standard, uh, uh, standard Hegel dialectic. Yes. Hegelian. Hegel. Yes. Very standard. I mean, listen, the, the solution was already rolled out. Nobody had any time to read the, uh, the Patriot Act. There was so little time, but it was out there just... There's no time to write it. It was ready to go. And Wild G again says, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, just to hear you say it. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. Supercalifragilistic... I think at one time I had had my father try to spell that for show and tell. I had a show and tell. My father stopped by for some reason for, for the class. And I said, oh, uh, Dad, uh, spell supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I think he, I don't know. I don't even remember it. I just remember asking him. All right. Let's see. Um... Here's something for you. This is a 9-11 red pill moment. This is for my friend Mike. He said, the 9-11 red pill was the real what-the-fuck moment for me. It was a gigantic part of my identity, and I went through the rest of middle school, high school, and college knowing I was going into the military. Then I did that whole thing and realized that as I was getting out that the whole thing was a lie. 
it's taken a long time to become totally aware of that and to be totally honest with myself that yes this is reality I love America because it's my home but I've lost my country uh, the painting of that Polish jester that you use sums up the feeling my feelings perfectly there's a hole in a lot of our hearts and identities that we're trying to fill a lot of stuff getting uh, sucked into the vacuum is toxic and leads you down dead ends, which a lot of people are struggling with. That's right, Mike. Uh, absolutely. So there's a very deep meaning for the adoption, that uh, my adoption of the Stangic Jester as the, the symbol of the show. That's a very deep meaning there. And I'm glad you know it. Then again, you've been watching the show and been working with the show for a long time, so I know you understand. But there is a hole. You know that you know it's a it's a hole that anybody who's been away from home for so long and misses home it's like a homesickness especially if you know what came before all this because that sense of dread I told you I felt last Tuesday around 9:38 p.m. that it just hit me like it's just a heavy feeling in my stomach um the first time I ever felt that feeling was really felt that feeling was in uh, 2001 that's the first time I really felt it it was a feeling of dull dread a curious kind of excitement but not an excitement like I'm going on a roller coaster this is going to be fun you know that people are dying and you know that there is a lot more bad shit coming your way that you can't put your finger on yet because we weren't told how many wars are we going to go into somebody's got to pay somebody's going to be made to pay you know, and I was part of the Get Bin Laden crew for for a while. For about uh, I don't know how many. I had a couple of years. I had a I had a Get Bin Laden T-shirt. Got it at the the, uh, the flea market. Had a crosshairs over Bin Laden's head. You know, um, it's a lot. It's a lot, and that that feeling of dread of losing your home. You know, that's it. I love America. It's my home, but I've lost my country. That shit is, is terrible, especially, once again, since the disunity. It's not only are you dealing with the, the fact that something that you knew was good is lost. You also now have to deal with, you know, a little bit of that grief. Just not that you're going home and you're crying into a tissue. I'm just, just a little bit of that acknowledgement. That sucks. That doesn't feel good. And, uh, and, then, and then balancing that off with the fact that you have to be able to in some way, shape, or form, confront, in sometimes, people like the kid who's working at the radio station in Massachusetts. There are people out there who think that the country is still alive and well, and we just have uh, to do a little bit of, uh, a little bit of tw- tweaking here, and we can get rid of some, some extremists, and, and that, it's just, it's sick. It's sick. So, there's a lot. It's a big circus. So, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, thank you, Music Man. Witchy Poo says, Happy Birthday Month, Aurora. Wow. She's very spoiled. She doesn't even know it yet. She's not going to know it. Very, very humble. And she really loved hanging out here on Friday. Aurora did. I, I posted a couple of behind-the-scenes pictures over on the Instagram. You go check out the Quite Frankly Instagram. You can click there through quitefrankly.tv. And uh, she really loved it. And I caught her. My mother was sitting sitting next to her. You remember I said I heard heard her singing to Pyretta? And then she denied that she was singing? Well, my mother caught it on, on tape. So I have, I have the proof. She was lying. 
Sean Joe, thank you. Robert Sarns, Jesse81138, Falcolon, Captain Flint, Sean Joe again, Joe Elaine. Joe, thank you for all of your help out there. Uh, Joe Elaine, she, uh, she has helped the show and tweeting and putting links out there. And she's, um, she's a real help, and I really appreciate her. I also appreciate Nikki. Nikki's been doing that for years as well on YouTube and other places, though YouTube, she's been displaced tonight. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who've been helping lately. A whole new crop of, of Rumble mods. I think uh, Linda's in that. I think Casey Kakalaki's in there. I think John Otter, uh, a couple others. But thank you to all the mods and all everybody out there. Um, it, it does help a lot. It really does. Paulie, thank you, says, I, sh I forgot about 9-11. Well, they want you to forget a lot about 9-11. In reality, Zoso Dude says, How ironic, 9-11-2003 was the dawn of my awakening, re-watching Bush in the classroom, eyes wide opened. And C. Blanche, thank you so, so much. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, when this show ends on QuiteFrankly.tv tonight, we are going to be uh, treated to an entire night of, well, you know, just stuff. 2003, talking about awakenings, the time. That reminds me of this Ray Bradbury quote from the Martian Chronicles that I've been waiting to talk about for a while. Let me open it up. I had it on the, on the uh, desktop over here. Listen to this. There was a smell of time in the air tonight. He smiled and turned, uh, turned the fancy in his mind. There was a thought. What did time smell like? Like dust and clocks and people. And if you wondered what time sounded like, it sounded like water running in a dark cave and voices crying and dirt dropping down upon hollow box lids and rain. And going further, what did time look like? Time looked like snow dropping silently into a black room, or it looked like a silent film in an ancient theater. One hundred billion faces falling like those New Year's balloons, down and down into nothing. That was how time smelled and looked and sounded. And tonight, Tomas shoved his hand, a hand, into the wind outside the truck. You could almost taste time. That's from the Martian Chronicles. I always wondered about that. Where does the time go? Does it go into the sunset? Just drifts away? That is, I, I love that especially there. Like snow. Snow dropping down silently into a black room. Or it looked like a silent film in an ancient theater. 100 billion faces falling like those New Year's balloons. Down and down and down into nothing. That's what it feels like, uh... That's what it feels like time, the nature of time really is. For sure. Uh, let's see what else we have over here. So I want to take some calls. Um, I would love to hear your personal stories on a day like today. Day of remembrances. Twenty-first. What kind of 21st century clarity did you gain from it? Here's another thing from Stephen. Stephen said, Frank, just for your information. I had my local Walgreens deny my doctor's prescription for ivermectin. They first required a diagnosis for it, so he called in to provide it. Then they denied it for following the diagnosis, which was COVID prevention. Now, I know that's a hot-button issue, but it's coming right from a doctor. I found a small mom-and-pop shop that filled it, but we are in a dark place, my friends. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what, Stephen? 
I included that tonight, and I didn't save it for tomorrow because it's, re- it's related. It's all related. From terrorists in caves to extremists at PTA meetings and pharmacies negating legal prescriptions because of government malinformation edicts. Malinformation. The government's the one that in- invented terms like malinformation. Why? Because they want to control speech and thought. And because it's all part of Homeland Security. It has become a part of Homeland Security. How to secure the homeland is, uh, it goes hand in hand with censorship because censorship is going to somehow stop the spread of domestic terrorism, which is the new Al-Qaeda, which includes misinformation about cheap treatments that are safe to take that may just help you in a situation whereas remdesivir will explode your kidneys. There's some medical misinformation for you, YouTube. So, yeah. I mean, I'll put you this way. Do you think that Walgreens is going to stay in the way or get in the way of your daughter's testosterone? If she wants to become a boy, you think Walgreens is ever going to get in the way of that? No, just ivermectin. Better safety profile than aspirin. They will deny you, even though they're talking directly to your doctor. So... September 11th, New Pearl Harbor, red pill moments, 21st century clarity. What do you got for me? 914-200-0269. Let's take a, uh, a gander into the, quite frankly, super checks. I saw something else come in here, but of course it's not taking forever, man. To load. Larkstar again says Aurora's tip for a great cameo appearance on Friday. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Her birthday on on Thursday. She doesn't know, but I uh, I called in a favor for from a friend with a, an ice cream truck, and uh, and we're gonna have him roll down the street right around the time that I think we should be about done eating. So she's gonna love that. Jay Brits, thanks again. All right. Oh, oh Jay Brits says happy birthday again. Spoiler, good while she still listens to you. Mm, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Listen, I'm I'm head over heels in love, but I I'm not, I can't spoil her. I can't. Can't do it. Car Guys New England says 9/11 create problem, make people react and create solution. That was the beginning of the end for privacy and freedoms. It definitely was. Let's take a call over here. You're on the air. Who's this? Hi, Frank. This is Kim from High Desert. Kim, what's going on? Kim from the High Desert. How are you feeling tonight? I'm doing great. I was calling in to share some uh, some thoughts about 9-11. Go ahead. Um, so I'm 40, so I don't even remember what how old I was anymore, but it was. I was in Puerto Rico, and I was freshly shipped off by my parents, and so I was already kind of disheveled, and I remember some of my aunt saying, turning on to turn on the TV, something happened. And my family, it was in the heart of Chicago at the time, and so everybody kind of worked in the downtown area. And so we were all freaked out because we saw this, the ta- the first tower on fire, and I watched on TV as the second one, you know, hit the second tower. And so my family was all freaked out because everything, everybody was locked in, except like getting locked in certain buildings or and the other people were getting taken out of other buildings. We didn't know what was happening. Communications mm. were down in certain places. And I just remember my aunt saying, pack a backpack with knives and 
bring us some underwear, some food and water. <laughs> we didn't know what the hell was happening. We thought it was like a full-on invasion. Like we didn't, we didn't know what was happening. And where, and, and where were you again? Where were you? Surreal. Wait, where were you when this all we happened? Like in the in the hills of Puerto Rico. Oh like man, on a mountain somewhere, and I, it was like it's not coming to us. But my my family was in the center of Chicago, and they were all completely freaked out, and and it felt like chaos and uncertainty i just remember that feeling of like oh my god are we are we in the middle of a war right now what is what's happening that's what we thought that was sitting in yeah Yeah, i mean i had a bad i walked around with that backpack for like a week we (laughs) were what was happening i was completely freaked out and that was in puerto rico yeah and then the next year my mom got divorced so now we just celebrate her divorce Uh, on 9-11 yeah Oh, she got so wait, wait. Her divorce was final on September 11th, 2002. Uh, two, yes. Wow. Well, well. So now that's kind of like our big, uh, good job, good, good job, good for you, mom. One of those be a bit something, something sweet to take to take away some of the bitterness, right? <laughs> okay. Something well, sweet. Oh my God. Uh, well, hey, yeah, listen. Well, is this about you, Frank? I'm, I haven't been listening because we're so busy with the kids. Please give your baby a big hug and a kiss, and she's adorable, and we love you from afar. Well, and we try to listen as much as we can. Thank you so much. You do what you can. I'm sure that whenever you get a free time, I'll be right where when you left me. That's that's I can promise you that. <laughs> Lovely. I love binge uh, watching you. All right. It's well, good for laundry time. It's good for laundry time and the weekend. Thank you so 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 much for the call. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I uh, we thought I mean we were all seventeen, just turning seventeen, many of us, and uh, and we said, whoa, we said this is war. Then again, our our teachers were telling us that we missed all of the the the, the planes hitting and the collapses. We only when we got back into the classroom. When we got back into the class, I told you my my teachers were on a strike that day. So uh, what what, they ha- what happened? This is Anthony's freshman year. So Anthony's in freshman year is his first week of school, and we are going. We the, the, the upperclassmen are sent into the auditorium. That's juniors and seniors, and then the lowerclassmen were sent into the gym. And everybody, we're just hanging around waiting for instruction. We have this, uh, you know, our, our band teachers are coming up. Anybody who wasn't union was, was hanging around and trying to keep us entertained and all that. And we're all sitting there and we're like, you know, it's just the whole morning is pressing on. And we're getting these little announcements and these little, uh, these little briefs on what's going to happen and how they're going to proceed with the strike. And uh, our, our president, our headmaster, no, our president came in, Monsignor O'Keefe. And he, he said what was going to happen, how we were going to split up the days, that we were going to do alternating days, and, you know, uh, upperclassmen come on Tuesdays and Thursdays, lowerclassmen Wednesdays and Fridays. It was weird for a couple of weeks. It was very weird. But then he said, now I have some, I have some news uh, for us as a country. And that's when we got terrorists had flown planes into the World Trade Center, and th- this was... This was started getting. We started getting really, uh, and everybody started getting a little bit up, up in arms there because you have a lot of parents that are in the city and things like that. So then, what the hell's going on? And as he's announcing this, the the um, the principal was bouncing in and out, saying the second tower just fell. You know, whatever. We're like, wait, wait, they're they're gone. 
because we had gotten everything so late. We we're we we're in the dark. We're in this this auditorium. Nobody has smartphones in 2001. Nobody has phone. We have beepers. We're still having beepers. So, you know, uh, the, the fact that we were kept in the dark in that room is you can't do that anymore. That's just impossible. So the fact that they're, they're saying that they got hit. And then we get an update that a, a tower fell, that another tower fell. It was like a, it all came at us at once. So finally, we all just dispersed and we went to classrooms and they turned on the televisions and that's where we're seeing just the replays. And it was just incre- just incredible. You know, you're talking about the second the second plane hitting. Um, our caller from the high desert did. There's this one video that I put up on the Telegram today. I downloaded it as soon as I saw it years ago because I knew it wouldn't be on for lo- much longer. And it was 33 minutes of this um, this handheld mini-DV recording from the, the rooftop of a building, this, these kids, that they went up there, they heard that something, you know, something hit the, the, the tower, and, you know, they realized the seriousness when they got up there because not only they see it burning, but they they're noticing and they're starting to become more and more disturbed by they're noticing the people jumping from the the buildings and then comes this and I want this is what I want to throw out there because personally I'm not in the crowd who believes that there were no planes I'm not in the no planes crowd okay for a number of practical reasons now uh, uh, what planes were they who or what was flying the planes I'm open to theories I'm always open to theories, but I, I want to bounce around a video with you to show an example of how we opened up talking about talking about pers- uh, perspective, subjectivity, and uh, you know, uh, cult subjectivity and relativism, and then also individual relativism and all that stuff. Well, this is just um, you're going to see this. You're going to see this here. First of all, here is a, a, a I have a at 11:25. Hold on a second. Here is at 11.25 is when the second plane hits. Or something hits. This kid, throughout the entire video, and I've got all the timestamps here, never, ever, ever says it's a plane. He did not, He denies 100% it was a plane. And, and to his credit, you don't even hear, none of his friends push back on him. No, 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 it was a plane. Because there's more people up there watching this thing. None of his friends push back on him. You don't hear the whine of the plane, the jet engines. Hold on a second. It's 8, 8.45 in the morning. So they got primo view over here. <laughs> so he's up with his friends. They, they don't know. They, they just probably think it's the fire. Now here, let's go to 11.25. 1125 oh, 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 well, that was not nice. Uh, so uh, this is... So they're starting to get... They saw another person go down. Listen to this. Watch this. He turns away. And now... And now... Hold on. I want to get this again. There you go. Oh, Jesus. It keeps happening. I'm sorry. They turn away and now watch. 
my. Now it's horrible. Um, I, I I'll tell you, I, I can't. Uh, this time of year, I get I get drawn to these videos again, and I get. Uh, it, it's really just. It's horrible, and this is the only thing that matters to me about these. These anniversaries now is just the the people. I, I look for home videos. I want to watch people in the streets. I want to see how they're interacting with each other. I care only about the little people because we know what kind of coordination allowed this to happen, regardless of what the little details are, who, who who's piloting what, and what's going on here, what technology is uh, being employed, what legislation is being rolled out a couple of days later. So the first mention of a bomb from this kid, and there's a reason why I'm doing this, is at 13.25. Listen to this. No. 13.25. Here we go. Look who was jumping out of them. fucking bother because they, they they knew everyone would be watching it's fucking sick that's multiple people saying it had to be a bomb what are you talking about i know that the guy with the camera wasn't looking at there but everybody else was watching nobody's saying listen i saw a plane go into it and that's the other thing. It had to be a bomb. Some people say, well, they'll, well, no, that, uh, you know, it had to be. If there was ever going to be one, that that would have to be the plane. I mean, everybody's watching it at that point for sure. Now, the second mention of a bomb is at 20 minutes and 22 seconds. Listen to this. I know this is one person. Now he's on the street level. He's interacting with people. This is the, the reason why I watch it. It's these street level views. Film. The second blew up. The second one blew up. No, not at all. The second one blew up. It just blew up. That's insane. Let me see that again. No, no way I'm watching it. Everyone, everyone around me is going to be like, let me fucking see. I refuse to watch that again. See, now, there's no, again, no whining of an engine, but he wasn't looking. And some of his friends were, but they didn't push back. Now, this woman got some information from him about... So now this woman believes, at least for right that moment... That it was not a plane. And you want to talk about information being passed along to everybody? And these are all people who are staring at the very same thing. And they all of a sudden have different ideas of what's going on. At 23.37, we got a man in shock. He's talking about the 59, being on the 59th and uh, having desk and windows blown out. And the other weird, the other crazy thing is this. The uh, 23.37... Listen to this. It was a suction. That's why. You were up there? I was on 59. What happened? I don't know what happened. They're saying it's a plane. Maybe I was on 59. Guy's in shock. You can tell. He's just kind of dazed, and he's talking about how the desks are blown out, the windows are blown out, but you'll also see this. 
street level glass blowout. So as far as the, this on, on twenty four forty four, right around here, you want to talk about just concussive blasts from things that are going on. Uh, hey, something something's blowing out windows a couple of blocks away. Now as far as what is frying cars down to their frames, that's something totally different. I think that uh, Judy Wood has a pretty good idea, a pretty good um, set of questions about that phenomenon. But this, look at this. Holy shit. All of them blown out. What happened over here? It's the glass blew out. That's the glass blew out from the, uh... oh, wow. And it's blown out from the inside. Over here? There's nothing like this city. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. If you never saw it, then, man, there's nothing like it. Just the even, uh, it's, just, it's so spooky. It still, it'll always be spooky. Here, 3158. One more, I have, I have two more little spots to show you. 3158. There's a lot of just chatter. I watched a, I watched a lot of it. Here we go. Hold on. Did they finally hear what happened? Yeah, I don't know how the first one went off, but the second one exploded. There was a bomb in there. Definitely a bomb in the second one. I don't know about the first one. It looks like there's an indent in the building, and maybe there was a plane, but I can't imagine how the second one went off. Two planes by accident. No. No, no, I saw that second building blow up. It just blew up. Flat out blew up. Now, again, we know he wasn't looking at unless it, the unless the uh, the the camera was being held like this and he was watching this. Otherwise, we know he wasn't totally looking at it. But again, what wh where's all his friends saying, "No, nah, bro, you you weren't you weren't looking. You didn't see it." Well, now, why do I bring this up? Now, here's a perspective. We have all we have all seen the news footage. You've seen any kind of footage that's out there. You've probably seen it over the last 20 years. But you'd be surprised how many people who were there, watching knew far less about what was happening than people at home watching TV and 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 what's being served up to people at home watching TV. And you know and it's like uh you know like the godfather almost when Clemenza is telling Michael what he needs to do when he kills Salazzo and McCluskey at the restaurant. You're in a public place. Okay, you kill them both. Now you do what? And um he says you put your gun down by your side, you walk out in a hurry, but you don't run. You don't look at anybody, but you don't look away either. And just because of the trauma, you're able to get away with them. People just, you're just able to create, I don't know, just some kind of a, it's hard for people to discern and to take up details and to hold details in situations like that. So you don't want to create anything too much, uh, too distinct, I guess. And there's a lot going on there. You want to talk about two shots over there with the, uh, the the towers and everybody watching the same thing in the same restaurant. But what the hell's going on? Who really sees what? Now, I have uh, friends who they've seen, they, they saw the second plane. 
in person. So they have no doubts about it. And then I think about, um, I don't know. That's the one thing that is really fascinating. It doesn't prove one theory or right or in a definitive way over the other. It's just about how people's initial recollections, their thoughts and their observances usually are the purest. Or at least at, a, a lot of the time are the purest. And then over time, most people tend to adopt and adapt to general consensus. Hell, even Donald Trump did. You know, those early, um, those early phone calls with Donald Trump, we played those on the air here, too. I have them in here. So I could probably find it, but I didn't, I didn't take them out. I don't want to waste any more time. But uh, Donald Trump w- created some very compelling, uh, I don't know, commentary on New York radio and television in those first couple of days. First of all, they wanted to bring him on the show because, A, he's a very recognizable New Yorker who contributed a lot to the New York, um, uh, the New York skyline, a real estate developer. And um, they wanted to ask him just about what the hell's going on. And he said it had to be. If it was a plane, it had to have been, uh, with the help of explosives at least, talking about the the outside frame how the support structure the steel beams were on the outside how strong that made the building and what that meant and so he talked a lot about his suspicion of bombs and anything that would have to use be used to make this kind of a thing happen and over time he didn't talk about that anymore you know, uh, over time, when when the consensus is one thing, especially in the media and by the government, uh, and uh, you, you just, do you really want to continue to be the pariah? Do you want to, you know, do you, sometimes you just get into a line. And, um, and I guess maybe that's a little bit more of that cultural phenomenon that we were talking about with the with the conspiracy theory gut feeling thing in the beginning. Because that is a gut, feel, a, a gut feeling, I think a very noble and very reliable gut feeling from someone like Donald Trump, who spent a lot of time and still continues to spend a lot of time around construction sites. He knows how buildings are built, understands that kind of thing, understands codes and understands uh, all of these um, criteria that need to be met, especially when you're, you're talking about withstanding earthquakes or storms or, uh, you know, uh, airplanes. It's a lot. You know, a gut feeling goes a long way with that. Could that really have only been a plane? Only a plane? Only. That was only a plane. Did all of that to those three buildings. Are you sure about that? You know, that's a gut feeling I think you can take to the bank. Anywho, let's take a call. Uh, Who's this? You're on the air. Hi, uh, Frank. This is Rhonda. Hey, what's going on, Rhonda? Good to have you on. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, William. I think his name was w- William Rodriguez. He was the last man out of the towers. He ran and slid under a fire truck. That's what saved him. And he was a janitor. He had all the master keys. And he said when he went into work that morning, he was down below ground, and they heard like a boom kind of come up from under him. And then, like, a couple seconds later, they heard, like, a pop at the top. And there was some kind of big generator room right off from where he was at. And they went in there and opened the door. And the guy in there had flesh hanging off of him. He was yes. burnt real bad. Yes, I remember, remember that story? Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and of course, they, when he testified before the 9-11 Emission Commission, uh, he didn't get to do it out in public. But he'd been going around the country um, telling his story. And I was like you. I was all pissed off, man. I, I was ready to get back in the military. I'm thinking, oh, man, we gotta, we got to secure our borders. We got to, you know, I fell for it, too. After knowing about the Bushes, and um, and then after I heard uh, uh, Senator Grassley come out and say, yeah, you know, these FBI guys, they got like $15,000 cash bonuses, you know, and I'm thinking, what the, what is going on? And I said a prayer. I said, Father, please help me see the truth, what's going on. Hmm. You know, they say you got to, you got to watch what you ask for because <laughs> you might get it. And I mean, like two weeks later, first time I ever heard Alex Jones talking about Bohemian Grove and 9-11 and all that stuff. And so I think he kind of sold us out on the Sandy Hook thing. Uh, but I'll always appreciate that. I guess our father led me to him that day to let me know what's going on. And it's just been a, a ride ever since, a wild ride. Yeah, well, that's a uh, that's good. Uh, it, hey, look, however, you get to the party, as long as you get there, Rhonda. As long as you get there, that's what I say. And I, I obviously didn't join you until I don't know. It was probably started around. We always had our suspicions, but um, it was still pretty. I don't know. I guess we were all distracted. We were playing in bands, and we were just doing our thing, and uh, it, it didn't matter too much. But once we started broadcasting more and more. And we were talking about the world, then we wanted to bring these thing, things into it and get a deeper understanding of it. And it started all uh, really trickling down from there. So I think by 2009, 2010, things were really coming to a head, for uh, for me at least. And then we were off to the races by 2010 well, for I, sure. I got, a, I got a few years on you, so don't don't feel too bad. It's <laughs> but, all right. Uh, it's all right. Not like we, it's not like we weren't having good times. Uh, it, it was the last of those ignorance is bliss um, years, you know, that we were, uh, we're we're getting taken care of. And we were getting taken care of. The, the guys that hit us were hitting them back, and it's all going to be all right. And then you realize that it's just uh, one big bloody clusterfuck, and, it's, um, and, and who really wins in the end. So, anyway, thank you for the oh, call. We're going to win. I don't think America, America ain't going to go out like this. Free, free people, we, we got a lot of... I don't believe it's a split country 50-50. Look at the look at Trump rallies and look at Biden rallies. You know, this ain't a 50-50 split. That's another illusion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad you say it again. It, 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 it we have the beating hearts and they have stacks of paper. And 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 that's why I say as long as we concentrate on the men and women in the mirror, then there is really I'm not into the, uh, the the crystal ball kind of lifestyle. Thanks for the call, Rhonda. I'm not into gazing into the crystal ball and telling you how it's going to work. Mm-hmm. But all I do know is that if there are activated people who are seeing things clearly and are asking themselves and their friends the right questions, they're having the right conversations, and they are just spiritually vibrant and alive, then there's only so much on our radar screens. There's only our, our radar screens are this big, and then there's a universe of infinite possibility outside of that. Oh, just off our radar radar screen, you can't see. You know, whenever you're in a in a, in a tight spot, you don't know how you're going to get out of it because there's only so many solutions you can come up with on your own. And then it's usually the something that comes out of nowhere that you see a door open, and it leads you to another door and another hallway, and and somehow you're making your way through. That's all the stuff that takes place on the outside 
off our radar screen. And that's what <coughs> that's what I have to put my faith in too. I know I know that we are the majority. That the, the, the beating hearts are real. And the stacks of paper are just stacks of paper. Anywho, let's take an, uh, let's take a call. Hello, John, is this you? No, Frank, it's me, Annie. Annie. <laughs> so sorry. Hello, Annie. Um, Annie 14 on Rumble. Yes. Oh, Saturday. yes. My local. What's going on? What's going on, Annie? <laughs> yes. I got two stories for 9-11. Okay. I was, uh, back in 93, I was working at Amex across the way on the West Side Highway, and um, I was going to lunch at that time, and... Uh, going down the train we were all on on, you know waiting on the platform waiting for the train and i heard the boom it was like boom and the lights flickered the train came in and we all jumped on and we all looked at each other like what the what was that and then you we came back you know you come back from lunch and it's like oh my gosh what's going on here that was the 1993 one oh yeah you there for 93 but for huh you were there for 93 wow the first bombing Maybe you were in Pampers, but <laughs> no, I was in, I was in third. I was in, in third grade. I, I was I was just out of Pampers. <laughs> now for the two thousand one, if anybody remembers, Michael Jackson had the concert the day before, the yeah. night before. My mom was there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, well, everybody forgot about Michael Jackson the next day, and we, you know. Madison Square Garden beer was kind of like the next day you don't go to work type of beer. And so I watched everything on TV, but those are my two stories. Well, I'm, I'm glad you got in, Annie. It's great to hear from you again. Thank you, Frank. And you're Have another, a great night. Yeah, and you're, huh? another, you're another one. Help, and thank you for helping out with all the modding. Oh, it's my pleasure. Yes, you're, <laughs> you're, a, t- you're a tough broad. That's what we needed. Oh, Jess. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, C. Blanche, thank you so much for everything over there. Uh, th- th- we've got a couple more. I'm going to release the scratching on the Anything? foxhole because we are going to kick off the rest of the night on the quite frankly TV. Go and watch what we got coming up for you. It's going to be a good one. It always is. And the guys at the the network side, they are they are on top of their stuff tonight. Jay Semo Building 7 is all you need to know. He says as well as Rum uh Rumsfield Rumfield Rumsfeld's report on the missing 2 trillion dollars. And you think about how little $2 trillion missing is today. You think about how little that is to today with what's being stolen and what's being, uh, what's being siphoned off and all that stuff. What is unaccounted for? $2.3 trillion is nothing. It's a lot in 2001. It's enough to take your breath away. Uh, that's, that's several uh, federal budgets you know, a two trillion dollar spending budget now for the federal government is is starting to become an average ask. But you can spend, you can put several years worth of federal spending inside of that back then, and uh, it all goes away. It all goes away. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. Um, actually, I'll take just I'll just take one more call. 
Let's see where the hell they all are. 914-200-0269. Let's take this. 323, you're on the air. No, you're not. They bounced away. Let's take 402. You're on the air. What's going on? Hey, Frank. Uh, I just want to thank you for taking my call. Uh, I ran for Congress five times here in Iowa. Uh, I got to speak with you last year. I remember. And, uh, yeah, just we need more of us average people just to attend uh, city council meetings, go to your supervisor meetings. Uh, But if you have a state with decent ballot access laws, we need more of us to run for office all offices it's uh i still believe in the system these people haven't even tried uh to restrain themselves and to change the constitution and Mm -hmm. uh, we have to do it you know we have to be citizen journalists i film all my interactions with my opponents i go to their town halls i conduct my own and uh you know they stopped adding seats to the u.s house 100 years ago that's a problem with our federal government yep they priced you and me out of the marketplace of ideas and uh I call it the Iowa Compromise. Divide by three. Uh, the population has tripled since they stopped adding seats. You know, they don't need, need to get paid anymore, but uh, divide their staff, divide their office budget. They'll never do it, but we've got to propose something between civil war and uh, capitulation. Jack, I, I I really appreciate you. I'm glad. I haven't heard from you since... Um since uh, last year, right around the time that you announced what you're going to be doing with your with your campaign, and and I hope that people like you continue on because I I I would feel really really proud having you uh, pounding the pavement locally wherever. If you if I was living in your town, I'd, I'd be really proud of your your leadership out there. I really would. Or, or and and uh, hopefully people get wise and come around to it. Did you get close? What was the the end result? I'm in the uh, the most uh, Republican conservative district in America. I got two percent as a uh, Liberty Caucus candidate. I'm registered Libertarian, but uh, they uh, they changed the ballot access laws to keep me from running as a Libertarian. Wow. <laughs> they, they blame me for spoiling the two previous congressional races in this area, and uh, they moved my home county from uh, the previous district to a new one. So I even got gerrymandered for being a spoiler twice. Why, so, so Jack, uh, do you still have a website? Do you still maintain uh, maintain a public presence for any upcoming elections that you're going to be entering into? Oh, yeah. I'm, well, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to sue Iowa Public Television. Uh, they've excluded me from their network uh, debates five times now over the last uh, nine years. And uh, the first time I ran in 2014, they had a debate on September 11th, 2014, mm. at my community college where I was a uh, honors uh student and on the baseball team as a player you know and you know 20 some years later they don't let you in the congressional debate at your alma mater isn't that something uh, i don't raise fifty thousand dollars to run i don't raise any money it's not about the money it's about these people uh leaving us alone jack what do you have a website you people can go and check out yeah i'm on youtube brian jack holder uh i have a facebook brian jack holder and they can Google me, Brian with a Y, Jack Holder. And I use my full legal name because I'm not uh, one of these corporate cutout candidates. I'm just like you. If you ran for Congress in New York, uh, <laughs> you'd get better than 2%. Oh, I don't know about that. I, I don't well, know about I that. Know, but smaller districts. We need smaller districts at the state level, too. Oh, I, I get it. State, 
state representative, my state senator lives uh, 100 miles away. Well, Brian Jack Holder, I hope everybody go checks you out, and uh, and and we'll we'll have you back on again, especially once we get closer to election time. Thank you, sir. Oh, that's that's great. God bless you, Frank. Uh, God bless this country and everything that uh, all of us are doing to to keep us free. That's it. That's it. I, I think a lot of uh, <laughs> that'd be great to spit in the face of a lot of people. If you really get a county. A county that doesn't want to comply with anything oh that'd be so great a really great sheriff someone like jack it's true uh, as we talked about the expansion of the house adding seats to the house that that should have been done the constitution prescribes one representative per 30,000 constituents that means that my town my village should have a representative to the house my village alone should have a rep okay we're talking about a House of Representatives that should be somewhere in the vicinity of 11,000 members. And that is, that is not ridiculous. That is, I, you just have to figure out a way to, and you talk about whipping votes. Oh boy, there ain't no room. There ain't no, there ain't no room for two parties there. It's too much for two parties. Regionally, I mean, to think about that. Right now, everything comes down to 535 people. 100 of them are senators. That is incredible. The kind of sway that 400 people in the House have and how they would literally be a drop in the bucket. They would be so pathetically insignificant. 435, how many times does that go into 10,000? I mean, it is 11,000. It's incredible what has been ignored. Now you say, well, that is ridiculous. Well, you, you can't just keep adding more people. Why not? Okay, so they can't all fit inside the same building. Who cares? Either build yourself an arena if you need them all to be in the same physical location or come up with a new way that people can uh, contribute and vote on important issues and budgets and everything else in regional I, I, how can you break that up into regions? There's got to be. We're very we're, we're smart people when we want to be, but uh, for some reason we got to stick to this this rusty old approach where only uh, a few millionaires can get in there and uh, and fart for the television cameras every night. Anyway, quite frankly, TV that's the place to be, and I hope you're all there. I hope. You're all there, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Good night. Good night. Oh, and let me just make sure I, I didn't miss anybody. I didn't. Thank you all so much. You've been fantastic, and we will see you soon. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. Now, our super chatter, starting with Jay Britz, who just sent another one in, but I'll have to read that one tomorrow. Larkstar, Jay Britz again, Car Guys New England, Jay Britz Stostube. Thank you guys so much. To all of my wonderful friends across the uh, the Rumble Rants, D. Schumann, Freight Awakening, Cat Sky D, Sly Fox, Larkstar, Poso for Hope, 925 Wild G. Jay Semo, 
You guys have been wonderful to me. I will see you on Quite Frankly TV for the rest of the night. Goodbye. See you tomorrow.